0: Welcome back to part two of our talk about alienation. This is where we will dive into psychology and how wellness is being co-opted by capitalism and what implications that may have. John, you have questions,
1: right? Oh, I have questions. Now, uh, first of all, I think that we should talk a little bit about this idea of mutual aid and the difference between mutual aid and charity mutual aid is basically unconditional. We also talked a little bit at the very end there about, for example, how the police doesn't protect us. It protects the capitalist interests or it protects capital itself. In the same way, what could we say about psychology? What does psychology do for wellness?
0: Oh, that's a very, very big question. What they have does have to break that up into pieces. Psychology do for wellness. Well, I've read a lot about it, so I'll try to draw from different theories and, and books I read. Well, psychology is another problematic concept that we have come to see as normal because we are being told by the capitalist system that we are the problem if we suffer. That may sound a little bit dramatic, but there's more to psychology than what we might think or what we might see. So, when you're unwell, what you do is this kind of talk therapy, and the most common uh, form of talk therapy is cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT so CBT is problematic in the sense that it is um, aimed at returning people who suffer mentally to work so it is based off the idea that you are suffering because of your own distorted thinking So the solution that is suggested by this kind of therapy is that you just need to change your thoughts. The major problem with CBT is that it doesn't consider the social context. It doesn't consider the draining reality of working a full-time job, for example. It doesn't consider the pressures of life. It doesn't consider any kind of adversity. No, it's just wants to lead you to think that you need to well think your way out of your problems but it's not as simple as that and then psychology just like psychiatry has a very problematic history as well because it is rooted in the idea that there is a norm of being human which is based on statistics but these statistics only consider a certain kind of person there's for example the galtonian paradigm that came up with the uh bmi galton uh, and the bmi is an idea that is based on scottish soldiers i I believe Yeah. yeah so based on the statistic of one demographic we draw a conclusion that um there's one type of human that corresponds to a norm what that does is that it excludes many other humans from that norm and that norm well it is directly tied to the capacity of the individual to work and to respond to capitalist requirements so when you're disabled or mentally ill or chronically ill or you're not a white male. <laughs> or
1: well, I was going to say, if you're a different gender, or exactly. if you're a different race, or if, yeah. you're, if you're different from this uh, arbitrary norm that was set, I can't remember how long ago this was where they decided that you know the, the perfect uh, human body was the, for the BMI, for example, was the Scottish military man. Yeah. Uh, but if you are outside of that point in time, that gender, that race, Uh, That typical type, that mental type, uh, there's no really correct word because these, these are all problematic ideas, decided by a bunch of white men in coats, old white men in coats, who had a sense of supremacy that they didn't even recognize or actually celebrated, that those ideas have permeated time and we consider them now to be science.
0: Yeah, and along the same lines, beauty standards were also defined for women, for example. Well, that is a different topic that we're not going to go into too much now. But it's just important to keep in mind how these ideas are connected. Yeah. So, and that is also the the reason why, for example, white women are considered more beautiful than black women. And um, there's an excellent yeah. book that you could read on that. Uh, that the is, Sabrina, um, Sabrina Stings is, um, yeah. Fearing the Black Body.
1: Exactly, and that's it. Talks about the origins of fat phobia and the pure Western colonial objectification of the uh, of the African body, especially the the female body, which is incredibly interesting. So, but. I want to get back to psychology, but actually this is a great opportunity. Speaking about the the, the human body, speaking about uh, BMI, let's talk a little bit about the origins of gynecology. Oh, The origins of gynecology are incredibly interesting because a lot of the experiments that were done by Dr. Sims were performed on his African slaves, who he performed these experiments with no anesthetic. Of course, he's celebrated as the father of gynecology, but he tortured women, he tortured African women to do this. And it is still true today that a lot of the gynecological work that is done is very rarely takes into account female bodies. For example, the pill. Well of course we could talk about that. The pill does not consider for example blood clots to be a problem but when they do tests on men nowadays it's a huge problem
0: yeah there's this double standard that men shouldn't be expected to take the pill because of the side effects but it's completely normal that women mess up their bodies
1: <laughs> yeah of course this kind of gets into this like gender responsabilitization which is also kind of pitting men and women against each other but actually what this is is this is capitalism this is imperialism this is patriarchy making us fight each other because we have this feeling that we need to be productive we need to be seeking joy we need to be seeking happiness we need to be having sex or whatever. As, as men or, or something like that and that as men seeking sex we don't have the we can't take on another child and and if if it's it's not our problem there's this huge huge problem there now I want to get back to this psychology psychology like we talked about gynecology problematic history BMI problematic history maybe we can talk a little bit about the problematic history like we started with CBT mm-hmm about psychology
0: well we digress a bit because Mm. all of these um, issues are related yes really because they are rooted in the same oppressive and normative system and uh, psychology is also a way of controlling people in the sense that there is this divide between mentally healthy and mentally Unhealthy. And when you're considered mentally unhealthy, you're also considered unfit to work. And that is the problem. And then the issue gets individualized and you're expected to go to this talking therapy so that you can function again. And uh, we've been discussing toxic positivity mm-hmm. a lot because um, it's not just a question of your mindset, For instance, I went to a talking therapy and uh, my my therapist at the time applied CBT and she would just tell me to um, solve my problems, I needed to go on a vacation or I should have some fun or I should just stop thinking my distorted thoughts again and i should um not be so dramatic and so negative so and i was dealing with chronic dizziness for a year and a half and she would tell me not to act sick
1: well here's here's the really interesting thing like if we put this in in perspective of of alienation so here you have you're in the system where you're not able to live properly you're constantly feel like you have no control over your life you fall into depression you fall into these levels of, of anxiety that actually present themselves physically yeah. for example like this dizziness and then you go to the doctor and the doctor who is this authority figure this psychiatrist tells you you're the problem
0: yes you are being turned into a problem, and you are not working hard enough on yourself. So, on top of your labor you do at your workplace, for someone else, domestic labor, you also have to bear the burden of the labor to improve yourself, to become exactly. a better version of yourself. And you are expected to be happy. And if you're not happy, it's because you don't wanted enough it's like saying the poor are poor because they want to because uh, they're lazy they are lazy
1: or yeah so this is this is actually the the exact point being so alienation is put onto us and then what a lot of these other things do is that it creates a false authority and reinforces the capitalist system back onto us as being faultless basically right you're the problem You need to work harder so that you can spend money and go on vacation. It's clearly your fault, right?
0: Yeah, and it doesn't solve the problem at all because, again, it doesn't take into account anything that's happening around you. And then it re traumatizes you because you're wondering why am I not getting better? What am I doing wrong?
1: Exactly. (laughs) What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? So when we think about this alienation, if the system, the capitalist system is completely normalized and kind of rendered invisible to us, then it's true that we don't know why we are wrong. But when we start to realize that the capitalist system is not just a a form of trade, it's a form of wage slavery, then we start to see the places where our shackles are, right? And we start to see the moments when we try to break free of those shackles and talk about the real problems. Like, look, I've got shackles on me. And then they have a police officer or a psychiatrist who's got a whip and says, no, it's your fault for being in those shackles.
0: Yeah. And then I want to circle back to something you mentioned before, which is the gendered perspective, Mm. because there's also this gendered expectation of what you're supposed to be like as a woman or as a man which Mm -hmm. emotions you are allowed to express and if you express the wrong emotions based on your gender you are vilified for it for example men are not supposed to show weakness while women aren't supposed to show rage and when women show rage for instance they are deemed hysterical and hysteria used to be a psychiatric diagnosis It doesn't exist officially anymore, but it's still used unofficially as a diagnosis. And then it's also used colloquially in in,
1: you're being hysterical, right? you're
0: being hysterical. And uh, that is misogyny, clearly. And being angry for very valid reasons is not something that we should be vilified for. No. There's also a great book by uh, Sohaya Chemali, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, called uh, Rage Becomes Her, and she goes into the reasons why women... Our right to be angry in this society, and while well, deeming women hysterical for being angry is a way of silencing them. Absolutely. So, psychology and psychiatry have uh, roots in eugenics as well because they create the abnormal in terms of mental health. Mm-hmm.
1: For example, if we talk about eugenics, for example, psychiatry has also, uh, in the same way, the BMI has used the metric of the sane mind as being similar to the white productive male.
0: I was going to say it's not only rooted in eugenics, but also in sexism. Oh, absolutely, course,
1: sexism, patriarchy, because yeah. again, it's it's the 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 sane mind is the calculated male mind, you know, that yeah. can be productive for the capitalist system.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying sexism and not misogyny because it's obviously also, well, it can be detrimental to men as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, Like toxic masculinity. We
1: expect men to be strong. Yeah. We expect men to be strong. We expect them to constantly have a clear mind, to think logically, to never feel emotions, even though they are coded as being allowed to have certain emotions. Like we talked about women are not allowed to have rage, but men are because rage is a productive emotion for men. If they get angry on the battlefield and kill our enemy, or it's good to have kind of this anger, this, this drive inside of you as a man but you have to be nurturing as a woman. And then men are also not expected to do any of the housework. But coming back to this psychology, there's also, especially psychology in relation to alienation, psychology has kind of co-opted the idea, and I would say psychology and capitalism have co-opted the idea of wellness. When we hear the word wellness nowadays, we often get this kind of, what does well, Let me ask you. What what's the kind of typical feeling you get when you hear the word wellness nowadays?
0: Um. Well, before <laughs> educating myself on that, it was mainly like going for. Spa weekend, which I, I barely ever did because it's um, terribly expensive, of course. Oh, no. And then we well, doing things like meditation, face masks. Well, for women, that, that is what we're being fed. You well, know, uh, so we consume,
1: right. <laughs> of course. So you're being marketed these solutions to wellness that require you to spend the money that you have been given uh, as part of your rent for your labor, on fixing your mental state. So your your wellness, the only way to, to get wellness is to spend your money. Exactly. It's not about the opposite, about working less.
0: And these are quick fixes. While well, being well, basically what it means is to you have your basic needs covered. Yes. It's not about fancy bubble baths and... A framework of uh, work project. I visited a few third spaces recently and one was about creating a, a third space for parents and, and their children. I'm not gonna go too much into detail because we don't want to name anyone here but they were basically telling me that they were also doing something for women's day and i was asking "Well, what is it that you do oh well we just have an event where we offer them free child care for that evening so they don't have to think about caring for the kids and then they get some champagne and they can keep can meet up and talk to other women and drink champagne and I said well I asked them are you doing something to improve women's rights because it's not women's day it's it's the international day of women's rights and they were saying well we cannot get too political here so women are supposed to be happy when they are given a glass of champagne or for international quote-unquote women's day we receive discount codes to buy makeup Oh, whatever. So these are supposed to be the quick fixes that distract us from the real issues when all we need is to have rights. Yes. To have our basic needs met, to be treated like human beings. Right. Instead of objects.
1: But in order to do that, you would have to regain your autonomy, your agency. And that would mean to the capitalist that they wouldn't be able to take advantage of you anymore. Of course. So they offer solutions that are beneficial to themselves.
0: They are not even solutions.
1: No, of course not. Well, they're not solutions, but they promote more capitalism.
0: Well, I mean, I can have a nice evening talking to other women around a glass of champagne. Okay. Yeah, it could be a reasonably enjoyable moment. But how is that going to solve any structural issues? I don't have kids, but if I was a mother, if I have one child free evening to sip a glass of champagne, how is that going to change the fact that the major part of the domestic labor is still my responsibility. And that is a fact. There are statistics that prove that in different countries, women still do most of the domestic labor. Mm -hmm. So that kind of inequality is not being solved because I'm being offered a glass of champagne. It just can take my mind off this mental load for a few hours. But that's it. Exactly. Just like a vacation cannot solve...
1: Your depression. My (laughs) depression
0: because I'm exhausted at work or, yeah, or because I'm alienated. It just doesn't work like that.
1: Kind of the point is that under the current paradigm, under the capitalist system, the solutions it offers are actually more to numb us. So,
0: to distract us. To distract
1: us, exactly. So, for example, not just distract us to blame us because of course there is the responsibility that is put on us right first through psychology it's your fault your mind's not working well yeah. there is the fact that you are for example what you need is alcohol you, you just need <laughs> to go you know you, you deserve champagne
0: you, you work so hard you deserve a glass of champagne to relax
1: or for example uh, women's day is a hashtag women's day Yeah. Right. So you you send out this neoliberal hashtag that says, well, we hear you, but we're not going to make any real changes. (laughs) Uh, It's like, well, we're paying attention to you. You know, it's it's uh, it's neoliberal feminism. It's bullshit. Or there is also the option of spend money for happiness. Yeah. And spend money for happiness is being alienated and being told that you need to alienate yourself further to be happy.
0: It's basically capitalism taking advantage of people's unhappiness and that is also that it fact created. That, Yeah. Exactly. It capitalism <laughs> benefits from us being unhappy with ourselves and not feeling good enough.
1: Exactly.
0: There's another thing I wanna mention with regard to psychology, because you mentioned the police earlier. So the other thing which is kind of tragic is that people who are mentally unwell are also criminalized more easily and are more likely to end up in prison for example and there's one example of a disorder that i want to mention here which is oppositional defiant disorder well It is actually, it's a disorder, let's say, where we can question whether all of these disorders are real or if they have just been coined as a way of designating anything that doesn't fit certain um, normative expectations of behavior.
1: Yeah.
0: So oppositional defiant disorder, or ODD in short, is something someone would be diagnosed with who questions
1: authority. For example, so if you were an anarchist, you would automatically be designated to have ODD. But that because is also because
0: anarchism is widely misunderstood. Right. Maybe that's. Well, I think anarchism
1: for... is misunderstood in the sense that it's like un- anarchism is just like throwing like, uh, Molotov cocktails. But anarchism is
0: like chaos is, is associated with, with chaos. chaos. Yeah. But Which but is
1: anarchism awesome. is actually. The questioning of authority, too. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's what the anarch or a as an in, in the same way, atheist without and hierarchy without hierarchy. So questioning hierarchy, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what it actually is. Yeah. But as you say, but like, like even if we were to say that that's the definition, then ODD would fit that definition because you're questioning hierarchy you're questioning authority
0: yeah and especially if you display some kind of quote-unquote aggressive behavior like if you actively confront somebody or Mm -hmm. even at the workplace if you don't comply with rules for example you could be diagnosed well i mean i'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist we're not expert on diagnostic criteria but this is just stuff we have been reading
1: about but basically what the what odd risks doing as a diagnosis is that it risks being abused for the sake of creating conformity when people are being abused Mm -hmm. because it goes through this medical jargon it feels real it feels authoritative Mm -hmm. so other people around us will say oh Well, he's not an anarchist. He just has ODD. He's not being abused at work and fighting back. He has ODD. She's not tired of doing the housework and being abused by her husband. She has ODD.
0: Or uh, this person is not being a victim of racism. It is ODD because black people and people of color are even more likely to to be be criminalized and pathologized
1: in that way. I think that you sent me a paper a couple months back about African-American parents using CBT on their children. Basically, the African-American parents are saying, well, I know it's not good, Mm -hmm. but I would rather that they think that their thinking is wrong, that, you know, that they are being too aggressive or something like that, because like that, they won't get shot,
0: yeah right i remember that because uh, within psychology and psychiatry there is also this hierarchy of privilege Mm. because when you're white you aren't criminalized that easily Mm. whereas when you're a person of color or if you're black you're you have a much higher risk uh, for instance in the u.s to be shot for behavior that is for example not neurotypical so if you stim stimming is self-stimulating behavior that neurodivergent people do like for example flapping hands and it's dangerous in some places for people of color to do it in public because their behavior is deemed abnormal or suspicious so they may end up in jail only for displaying that kind of behavior in public. And then white people are much less likely to be locked up for the same reasons. And then that leads me to say maybe um, here that neurotypicality is also something that is based on the same eugenic history of creating a norm of what people should be like. Mm. So... In terms of neurotypicality and neurodivergence, we speak of neurology. Just to give a few examples of neurodivergence, that could be things like dyslexia or ADHD or autism. And they are framed as disabilities or in the worst case as a pathology. But then there's also this neurodiversity movement that claims that neurodivergence is just a different way of being wired in terms of neurology so it's not necessarily well it's not a disease but the neurodiversity movement also tries to move away from the um, disability paradigm in the sense that it's only a disability because the world is not made for people who don't correspond to that norm Mm. neurologically speaking so yeah. we like as neurodivergent people we suffer because the way world is just not made for us. It's not that we are inherently disabled. Imagine a world that would be made for people in wheelchairs, for example, and not for people who walk then people in wheelchairs wouldn't be disabled. They are disabled because this world is not made for them. Right. Then, of course, being paralyzed, being in a wheelchair, has other implications than your divergent. So I'm just... Right, right. Like,
1: Using it as an example.
0: for like, If the world was more accommodating yes. for people with different needs, some disabilities wouldn't even exist.
1: Well, I want to say for example, like not just accommodating because if we imagine a world where productivity wasn't the goal, yeah, then would ADHD be considered a disease? You know, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, disorder again. The idea that you may not have the same ability to concentrate on a task that you have been alienated from it's perfectly understandable that you might have anxiety at being told that you are strange because of that. Yeah. The not meeting the necessity of capitalist productivity uh, does not mean that you are less human. What it shows is that capitalism is not human. It is not, not even not human. It is not humane.
0: And we're not machines, we're not all the same and we don't all function in the same way. But that is an expectation that is being put on us.
1: Yes. And so, for example, like dyslexia, (laughs) dyslexia, again, is an expectation that communication must happen in this specific way, which means that neurotypical people get to understand and neurodivergent people are strange for not understanding the idea is that actually what these psychological terms i guess do is that through their authority they normalize privilege that for the people that don't have them
0: yeah because when you don't have them you are the person the world is made for you yeah. you are not being discriminated against for your cognitive functioning or mental well-being but then of course discrimination involves many other factors it's not just uh, cognitive functioning or disability it's of course also race and gender and again it is linked because people of color and disabled people are framed as being inherently more lazy and less productive Mm. Which is not necessarily the case. They are also individuals and they are not all the same. But by uh, creating the abnormal, we put all of these people in the same box mm-hmm. and essentialize them. Yeah. As and, this burden on and, society, right?
1: Exactly. The, the bigger thing is that not only do they create this idea of abnormal, but they create an impossible standard for what normal is. Right. Uh, So much so that that it actually means that people that are considered, for example, neurotypical, I mean, how can we say, for example, that this is difficult to explain, but if I understand what neurotypical is, and it is this image in my head of how I should act, then is it not also affecting how I act? So now I am going to act this way so that society thinks I'm normal.
0: Oh, yeah. It's called masking.
1: It's called masking. It's called masking. But is there really such a thing as neurotypical? Or is neurotypical an invention of psychology?
0: Well, it's actually just the way the majority
1: functions. It's
0: statistical.
1: But the majority, the majority, like... allegedly allegedly
0: there are more uh, neurodivergent people as we might think there are estimations i don't have the figures in mind but many people go quote unquote undiagnosed for, for uh, until later in life because we also don't understand sometimes what neurodivergence actually is specifically with ADHD and autism because we have these stereotypical ideas of what it looks like Ooh. so people go unidentified. I prefer the word identified over uh, undiagnosed Diagnosed. because for me but then also that's something that people have to decide for themselves individually sometimes because they might feel the need to claim disability but for me it's not a disorder it's not inherently a disability it's just that the world around us is disabling
1: yes yeah and and for example when you need help you're asking for help because our society actively harms the, those people right right exactly the the other thing for example like when I was saying for example is there such a thing as neurotypical like, I haven't read enough about this, but it's kind of like we were talking about with BMI earlier. Like BMI is based off of, like we were saying a couple of people in the North of, of the UK uh, that were in the military. A lot of the times these monoliths that we've created the same thing with eugenics, like this typical uh, healthy body is the white male middle-aged man. Uh, Sorry. I said man and male twice, but anyway, (laughs) the point is, that these monoliths of normativity are often not based off of a statistic majority.
0: No, they um well, they they are often based on one specific demographic.
1: It tends to be the same as the researchers doing the work. but But also, does it matter that we should only care for people in the majority? Why shouldn't we offer the same care? to every minority well we should right but But we live in a system of like we say this is my problem with statistics it's like it's fine it's okay like yeah measure the majority but what you do when you do that is that you are erasing the minority
0: well i think it's well-known fact by now i hope (laughs) that medical testing for example is not based on on women and you remember recently i did um a test for uh, sleep apnea and i was given this machine that i had to put on me and then it came with a strap that you fix on the level of your chest just that the strap was so thin that if, if you're a woman and you have a little bit of a larger bust it's not easy to keep it in place and that could actually change your test results Mm. if you don't find a way of holding it in place so it really shows how these devices are not made for
1: women Mm. for example and i mean in the the case of these devices of course not being made for women there's also this entire kind of ethos in capitalism of creating the one-size-fits-all and the one-size-fits-all model is the white middle-aged man. And that also, of course, translates not just to like physical medical science, but also to psychology and psychiatry.
0: Well, even more so because, as Robert Chapman uh, explains in his book The Empire of Normality psychological diagnosis or clinical diagnosis that means that there's not necessarily statistic testing that gives answers in figures you don't see anything biologically wrong with the person so it's based on behavioral observations yeah. i think i don't need to explain <laughs> to you why that is problematic because of course what is deemed normal behavior is constructed yes according exactly. to what we expect people to be in a capitalist system that needs us to be productive all the time yeah so this is the, the big uh, we're closing the the loop here in yeah, a way yeah. because i said it before psychology is eugenicist but also aimed at making us fit for work again so the person has a mental problem they are being directed towards cbt yes and cbt is telling them oh you have to change your thinking and then you can go back to work and then the problem solves itself according to capitalist ideology just Mm -hmm. that the reality is more complex but when you you talk about that in a therapist's practice you're being dismissed depending on who you are talking to so this can be very a very violent way of dealing with mental distress
1: yes now there is something i think that we should talk about because psychology or psychiatry themselves are co-optations of things that we should have So in the same way, like we talked about mutual aid and charity, we should be able to talk to about our problems. We should be able to seek care and wellness from others, right? But what happens in that space when you're talking about your problems, for example, with CBT, is that you are being told under psychology or psychiatry that you are the problem. Instead, there should, in a different paradigm, exist or even now can exist, just like mutual aid now can exist if unco-opted, wellness that allows people to speak, allows people to realize the societal pressures that they are under, to create solidarity amongst all of us, to be able to end that suffering, to be able to end those ills that are causing us pain.
0: Yeah, and that is not what psychology is made for. Psychology, psychology
1: individualize, individualizes <laughs> yes. us and problematizes our expressions. And it um, makes a problem of our express or the way we express ourselves.
0: Yeah, and it is aimed at maintaining the current social order. Yes. All right. Should I we wrap that,
1: I think <laughs> let's wrap it up and let's get a drink. Oh,
0: we don't need to say (laughs) why not this wraps up today's episode thank you so much for tuning in and we hope you will be listening to the next one